0: Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Nick Tarter. I want to thank you for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Bethany, Oklahoma, learning what it looks like to be in Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did so that our world can be saturated with the good news and the good works of Jesus. We invite you to join us on this journey, and we hope that this content will help you to grow to be the person God created you to be. Good morning. Good uh... morning. Kelsey right where are you where'd she go thank you so much for singing this morning it's wonderful no and um and Paul thanks for joining with with your guitar too yeah amen um I left my notes at home so all all I have is the outline oh you have it I had a dream this week that <clears throat> I was preaching and I was lost. I I was doing a terrible job and I I knew I was doing a terrible job and I I was standing here literally thinking how can I get out of this? And uh and can I have a do-over because I know it's it's you know being recorded and broadcast. But anyway, I hope that doesn't happen this morning, so (laughs) pray 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 for me. (laughs) Um, This is the fifth week that we've been talking about the light of Christ in us, and the life of Christ is his light in us. In him was life, and this life, in him was light, and this light was the life of the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, John 1 says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want to read from the message, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, because this is one of my favorite verses or passages in the message translation. Whenever, though, they turn to face God, as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are. Now, this is not a veil, okay? This is just a plastic face mask, but if you can imagine Moses coming down from the mountain, can you still hear me, and co- coming down, can you hear me now, okay, coming down from the mountain, I forgot that I had this thing on yesterday morning, and, and, and I picked up a piece of bacon, tried to put it in my mouth, <laughs> anyway, so Moses came down from the mountain, and, and his face had to be covered, because he was so reflective of the glory of God, and, and this passage is referring to that, that when the veil over a person's heart, like Pastor Nick was praying, when that's removed, they can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And so he goes on to say, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit... That old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face. Our faces shining. You shine as lights in the darkness of this world. We read that scripture last week. When the life of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is moving through you. And so we are transfigured. This is the same word, transfigured as metamorphosis. It's the same word used of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was transfigured right before their eyes. Transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives, for us though, gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him last week I asked are you a planet or a star because a star is trying to call attention to itself but a planet revolves around the star and reflects the star I I, uh, I borrowed George's ohm meter and I showed us how, how ohms are the measure of resistance to the flow of current the voltage through wire. And we talked about, well, what can increase the flow? Thicker wire and better conductor, copper. And uh, proximity, being close. And so proximity, we need to be close to Jesus Christ. Close. Practicing his presence. Proximity. Purity of flow. We need to be good conductors, like copper wire, and be about His purpose and the love of God. So then, Second Corinthians three seventeen through nine through eighteen in the in a more um, in another translation, there nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face, and so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. That's the same thing, isn't it? All right. Um, Love your neighbor as yourself. Look, we have the opportunity to shine only in the degree of darkness that we are willing to enter into. Does that make sense? In here, we can shine to one another and we can reflect God's love to one another. But let us go into the darkness Let us go where there is need. In Mother Teresa's story, Come Be My Light, we read the story of how she had a call within a call. She was already a sister of charity. She was already a sister who was working in India. But she saw a vision of Christ on the cross and his words, I thirst... And she felt a personal call to quench the thirst of Jesus within the poorest of the poor, the untouchables. She felt the call of God to become closer to those who were the most in need of a sense of God's love, dignity, and salvation. And in her life she felt that call of the gospel to three groups of people. Those who were the untouchables, dying and, and, and lost, all who needed salvation. Those who were the poorest of the poor and most in need of some physical comfort and care so that they might know God loved them. And then, the third group was the lonely. The lonely. You see, there's a darkness in being lonely. Sitting in a room wishing that somebody would call. Being alone among a sea of people that aren't your color. Being out of your comfort zone among people who might not know you or want to know you. Loneliness. And so she went to them. Because she heard Christ say to her come be my light go into the holes of the poor go into the holes of the poor. And so she went and initially she had this wonderful sense of the presence of God and the the, the joy of intimacy and his love that that lit her up like a candle. But the very terrifying thing for her in her life was that as she began to get deeper into her call, as she got more and more identifying with the poor, the lonely, the lost, and the dying, she had less and less of the awareness of God's love. She was experiencing the very suffering of Christ within them so that God could enable her to feel more perfectly his thirst for them. We don't, Barbara and I were reading last night, and, and uh, I forget what the passage was we were reading about suffering. It was a prayer, wasn't it? I was reading a prayer. And I, I looked at her and I said, I don't want to suffer. I, I mean, it's not in me to choose to suffer until I see something worth suffering for. Am I right? When you see something of greater value than your personal comfort, when you see something that is worth your sacrifice then you will give that which you have to give and more besides because the more you give the gospel promises the more you will receive so what is worth it to you what is worth it to you i'll tell you a a, a story perhaps it will mean something that uh, uh somebody's driving through an intersection 40 miles an hour and a car coming the other direction Um, quickly turned right in front of the driver unable to avoid hitting them there was an accident and um, so when they began to talk about it after well right away the driver of the car that was at fault came up to the window and said "Um, I'm screwed I don't have insurance Please and, uh, don't call the police. And, and, um, so there's a choice, isn't there? Right there. There's a choice. What would it cost me to not call the police? Or this person? What would it cost that driver to not turn it into the insurance company and then have them subrogate against the other person and call the police and do a police report? What would it cost the driver. Reality is it doesn't cost a whole lot. It costs some money. It costs the deductible. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there's an African American standing there saying, please don't call the police. So anyway, the driver said, look, um, initially just said, we won't call the police. We'll just... Um, We'll just turn it into our insurance company. Pay our, our collision deductible if you can help with whatever the deductible is. And then later, I actually texted the person and said, look, just don't, don't worry about the deductible. Look, it, it's got to cost us something. If we're going to connect with people in need, does that make sense? And look at them and say, are they worth it? Is the leper worth our touch, as we've preached? Is the blind man worth us trying to see the world the way they experience it? Is the man in the ditch worth us interrupting our lives, getting involved, and investing in them? How many of you thank God that you are worth it in his eyes? Come on. How many of you thank God you were worth it? You were worth the son of God coming to earth, coming to you in the ditch, coming to you when you were blind, coming to you when you felt like a leper. You're worth it. You're worth it to in God's eyes. Now, did we earn it? Come on, did we earn it? I hope nobody said, yeah, God got a real prize when he got me. Oh, yeah, he sure did, didn't he? In God's eyes, you are worth a son of God coming. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you. So what will you give so that others may experience what you have experienced? Do you prize your salvation? That much do you prize and value eternal life, forgiveness of sin so that you can receive the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in his kingdom shining as a light in the world. Love your neighbor. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love not in word, not in talk, but in deed and in truth. If it doesn't cost us anything, it doesn't mean that much. Can you say amen or oh me? Now, it's wonderful when we first come to Christ... And we feel his love, and there's a joy there, a peace, a freedom from the burden of sin that we may have felt the shame broken off of us, shame off us, and we feel cleansed and whole and accepted and loved. Can you remember that if it was a long time ago or a short time ago, or perhaps you still feel that? You know, though, if you've walked with God for a period of time, that you don't always experience consolation and joy and peace and happiness and because life doesn't let you, right? (laughs) So while we're experiencing consolation, remember that desolation is coming, St. Ignatius of Loyola said. And when you experience desolation, which you will, be patient. And remember, consolation will return. Now, there is this up and down, this um, changes in circumstance and, and uh, um, growth. And God allows the withdrawal of the awareness of his presence for a period of time to draw us closer so that we will hunger Like Pastor Nick was praying this morning, let there be a hunger in us, let there be a stirring in us to desire him more, to feel a wounding in our heart that we long for him and his presence. So he withdraws his presence to allow that. Sometimes he withdraws his presence as a discipline for unconfessed or undealt with sin in our life so that we may be cleansed and purged and come back to the through repentance, the restoration of relationship, the proximity and the purity of being a better conductor of his light and life of the Holy Spirit in us. And sometimes he withdraws the awareness of his presence because he's calling us into a deeper union of likeness with him and it's not that we're sinning and it's not that um we just thank you i'm going to trip over that you you're so kind and thoughtful (laughs) into a deeper union of likeness you see i have we have a friend named bob mumford and he said One day God spoke to him and said, Bob, you and I are incompatible and I don't change. (laughs) There are many things in me that are incompatible with God. The fruit of the Spirit and the the power of the Holy Spirit. The patience and, and, uh, and purity of God. But he will draw us into this desire for union with him so that gradually, as the scripture said in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, we are transfigured gradually into more and more the likeness of Christ and the more we become like him, the more we'll be with him, the more we will have the the proximity that we long for with him. But be aware. Sometimes... It's not going to come to us with an awareness of his presence. It comes to us by us identifying with those most in need of his presence. Like Mother Teresa had to. Remember, Mother Teresa lived over 40 years with hardly ever again experiencing the depth of intimacy and love pouring through her soul and her spirit Uh, mystics, Christian mystics called it the dark night of the soul When we can't feel God, our thoughts can't focus on God, Our, 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 our emotions are flat and our will seems to have deserted us Christian fellowship or the distractions of the world all seem empty, they don't satisfy us there's a, a deeper longing sure we've been born again sure we have known him but there's there's something that is, is radically lacking in our sense of awareness of his presence and purpose and we we begin to question and we begin to to struggle And it can even go darker, darker and deeper than what's called a dark night of the soul, which may only last for a period of time. It may go into a dark night of the spirit where there's a complete loss of awareness of him. And yet we know he's drawing us, drawing us and calling us. How do we know that? By faith. By faith. And Mother Teresa said, we are to be his victim, to be at his disposal. She said, true love is surrender. The more we love, the more we surrender. Remember I said earlier, what is another person's soul worth to you? If we really love souls, we must be willing to take their place, she said. To take their sins upon us and face the anger of God, this is very serious walk here and commitment to Christ. It is only thus that we make ourselves their means and 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 make them our end. We must be living holocausts, sacrifices, because the world needs us to be such. The world does not need a triumphant. Pollyanna gospel. Triumphalism. It needs a triumphant church, but not triumphalism. It doesn't need us to go around and say some things that uh, I'm not even going to say it right now. The world needs us, the church, to be in reality and to live in reality with them in transparency, in brokenness, In admission and identification with them because we are them. We're not above them. We're not different from them in that we are better than them. We are them. Again, St. Ignatius, I am a partaker of and contributor to the sinful condition of the world. Moses said, God, if you're not going to lead them into what you have promised us, then don't take me either Paul said I would that I would be accursed, if it would be salvation for my people yes. Daniel humbled himself and prayed and said we have sinned Nehemiah humbled himself and prayed we have sinned we can identify with sins all around us that we see on TV that we read in the paper we can identify with the broken because we too are sinners saved only by grace so let us go let us go let us hear his call to mother Teresa come and be my light mother Teresa imparted joy while she gave herself wholly to both the poorest of the poor and also to the whole world. 65 years she ministered. And it became harder and harder for her to travel and, and to, to speak. She never wanted to be in the spotlight, even though God called her to come be my light. Her whole life from morning to the short nights of sleep was a response to Jesus's words to her, I thirst. Yet inwardly, she was constantly in darkness. So she offered, get this, she offered her darkness to God. Would you offer your suffering, your pain, your discomfort, your inadequacy, your fear, would you offer that to Jesus Christ and say, God, I offer this to you. He's already born it. He already knows it because he identified with you. What he's asking you to be is a bridge to those who feel that way so that you may transfer as a bridge his love, his dignity, his acceptance, and his his healing. So we offer to him that which we can't control anyway. She also offered to him the memory of the sweetness of intimacy with him. And she said, Lord, if I never experience it again, I offer to you the memory because I have known the intimacy of your love. That's what souls were worth to Mother Teresa. That's what the love of Christ and the light of his life and Holy Spirit in her was worth. On September 5th at 8 p.m., Mother Teresa could not breathe. At the same time, there was an electrical failure in the city of Calcutta and the whole city went dark. Now, the mission there had two backup systems two fail-safe systems of electrical power, and both of those failed. That means that the breathing respirator that Mother Teresa would have needed was not able to function. They had never had that happen before. At 930, While Calcutta lay in total darkness, Mother Teresa, who had brought the light of Christ to her city and her nation and to the entire world, went to be with her greatest love, Jesus. At her funeral, countless banners told her story, like the one proclaiming, You were a source of light in this world of darkness. And again, her secret was the depth and intimacy of her relationship with Jesus, How about you and me? What's the depth of intimacy and relationship with Jesus? What is it worth to us? What is He worth? What was I worth that He would give Himself for me? So, who needs us the most now? The blind, the neighbor in the ditch, the leper. Well, we don't see that much. How about the single parent? The marginalized, families who relied on public school as a support and now won't be able to go in Oklahoma City Public Schools. I'm a teacher. We won't see our kids for a number of weeks. And if they choose the virtual option solely, then six months, um, they will not see them. I'm sorry, a whole semester, we won't see them. How about the elderly? The sick, the lonely. One of our leaders of the city WizKids asked me, called me and said, Hey, would you would you make club time videos like you did when the schools were closed? You could be a virtual WizKid tutor. Mother Teresa taught her sisters to use the five fingers to remember. You would you would you hold up? You, say it, did it for me. Say it again. And then hold out your hand. Who are you going to do it for? You're going to do it for Jesus. Who are you going to go shine you're going to go shine for Jesus somewhere where there's darkness, somewhere where there's a need, somewhere where there's a broken relationship. You're going to be the light of Christ because you are the light of Christ, because you have the life of the Holy Spirit in you. And if you need more, ask Him because He wants to give you more. Our lives become a prayer. We become living intercession. We become bridges. That's what priest means bridges for others as we identify with them. The total missionaries of charity now number over 4,500 worldwide, actively working in more than 600 missions in 133 countries. Mother Teresa sometimes would get out the world map and say, We're here we're here we're here oh oh this the the Union of Socialist Socialist Republic is breaking up and all these new nations we need to go here we need to go here we need to go here we need to be here where do you need to be where is your passion driving you children the poor whiz kids the need college students your neighbor Somebody at work. Who are you praying for? That's how you know. Who are you praying for? What prodigals, what people need to come back to Christ who have known him and have fallen away? That's how you know. I'm going to close with this story. I'm going to read, read to you a story that was read at Mother Teresa's funeral. And then, and then we'll come to the table of christ together and we'll confess our need and we'll say lord forgive us for where we've been ignorant unaware uninvolved self-protective lord we didn't know that's that's the way i I don't know about you but that's the way i've felt i've felt so ignorant as as we've had these the forum and as we're going to have um lee rolland come and speak next sunday morning and listening to african Americans stories and and and, and listening to, to people of color who have felt marginalized. I didn't know what it was really like. So Mother Teresa said being his light means doing these humble deeds of love and compassion that may seem insignificant. You may think it's insignificant to Call somebody on the phone. Send them a note. Drop something off at a a nursing home. Speak to a policeman. Health worker. Especially to pray. Especially to pray. But it's nothing less than the radiating of God's love to each person we meet. Thus transforming little by little the darkness of this world into his light. That's our commission. The gospel will shine through us as light in the stark world. So this is a story, and I'll close with this. Mother Teresa's own words. I will never forget the first time I came to Burka and visited the sisters we went out to the outskirts of the city and there was a big reserve where all the aborigines were living in those little small shacks made of tin and old cardboard and so on and i entered one of those little rooms i call it a house but it's only one room and inside the room everything that they had so i told the man living there please allow me to make your bed to wash your clothes to clean your room can you imagine this is mother teresa world traveler, speaks to presidents, confronts leaders of the world. He says, let me wash your clothes, clean your room. And he kept on saying, I- I'm all right, I'm all right. And I said to him, but you will be more all right if you allow me to do it. And then at the end, he allowed me. He allowed me in such a way that at the end, he pulled out of his pocket an old envelope, and then another envelope, and then another envelope. And he started opening one after the other. And right inside, there was a little photograph of his his father. And he gave me that to look at. And I looked at the photo, and I looked at him, and I said, oh, you look just like your father. That's what we want people to say about us when they look at us. Oh, you, you look just like Jesus. You look just like your father, God. He said, you're so like your father. And he was so overjoyed, I could see the resemblance of his father on his face. I blessed the picture, I gave it back to him, and again, the other envelopes. And the photos went back again into his pocket, near his heart. And as I, after I cleaned the room, I found in the corner of the room a big lamp. And I said, don't you light this lamp? It's such a beautiful lamp. Don't you light it? And he replied, for whom? For whom? Months and months, nobody has ever come to me. For whom will I light it? So I said, well, won't you light it if the sisters will come and visit you? And he said, yes. So the sisters started going to him only five, ten minutes a day. But they started lighting that lamp. And after some time, he got into the habit of lighting it himself. Slowly, slowly, the sisters went to him less and less, but they would go to him in the morning and still greet him. I forgot completely about that, and then after two years, he sent word. Tell mother, my friend, the light she lit in my life is still burning. You've been listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If God spoke to you, or if you'd like us to pray for you, you can email Pastor Nick directly at nick at newcovenantokc.org. If you'd like more information about our church, you may visit us on the web at newcovenantokc.org. We can't wait to hear from you.